right on it. And mace, patrol guide, shield. Welcome to podcast number 10. I'm your host, Alpha Mike, on El Police Radio, and our segment today, You're Done. You're Done is defined as you're finished, kaput, finished, complete, or are you complete? The Urban Dictionary defines you're done as I'm checking you out, leaving, like if you're staying at a hotel. You're departing. You know, there's a segment that I want you guys to hear. And before we roll into this segment that might last two podcasts, I want you to hear the director of the Miami-Dade Police Department, Jay Perez, give a description of checking out. somebody very special to the, close to you somebody special putting on that badge pins it on you you get hugs you leave that graduation and you go to lunch right and and pretty much that's you know everybody knows that you know and then you, you're the next day you don the uniform what a proud moment and then the last day comes and the, the last day comes we described it the last time you get three days before you retire, you get a checklist, uh, two pieces of paper, or sometimes it's double-sided, and you're told to go to all these places. And when you get to the places, they, they go, now you owe six property dispositions. you got to finish that. I'm not signing off until you get through those property dispos. You complete your reports real quick, or you run back to your bureau, your district, and you have somebody help you do them. You run back, you turn them in, they initial off. Then you go across to the quartermaster, and you turn in your uniforms. They go through it, and they say, wait, 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 where's your hat? And you kept that hat. Oh, I lost it. But you want to keep it as a memorial, as a memorabilia. So you got, you know, I lost that one. 
Oh, no. What about your orange gloves? And uh, <laughs> orange gloves, the traffic gloves. And don't forget, the Atlas. <laughs> the Atlas that we used to get, the blue, blue a a Atlas and a binder that the new folks don't know about. But I remember that blue Atlas because we didn't have GPS back then. And that's how you would find those streets. So uh, you guys remember that? Who remembers the Atlas? More importantly, who still has it? Because you do have to return it. So... <laughs> which does not include the director or an assistant director taking the badge and pinning it on you or anything else like day one or a handshake from anybody. You get those two papers, they make some copies as a receipt, they hand it to you, and you do the, the, the green mile <laughs> from the PMB door to the glass door on the side. And then you hesitate and you walk real slow hoping that somebody steps out of the bathroom while you're walking past it to say bye. <laughs> then you get the elevators and you hope the elevator opens and somebody steps out that you know so you can say it. And then you get to that glass door and you like look back and it's an empty hallway. There's nobody there. Perhaps the, uh, the wet floor sign is there next to the bathroom. Do not enter. And, and you, uh, you just kind of look back and straight through, you see some activity in the lobby all the way down at the end of the, the glass, the other glass door, and you push the glass door open, it opens for you, and once it closes, folks, you can't come back in because you don't even have an ID, folks. <laughs> because part of that checklist is returning your ID, so you don't have any access. You're 25, 30, 35 years. There's in two pieces of paper. That is it. So Samantha, who just brought justice to a guy that's been running for 26 years for killing, for, for, for murdering people, give, distributing drugs in our streets, for pulling triggers and having people killed, she's going to get two pieces of paper. So for now, the quick fix, folks. That's it. We're going to recognize during these events so that at least they have a crowd and a heck of an applause on the way out of this door as some little recognition and give them some worth, uh, you know, a feeling of worth and value for everything that they've done for us, for our community, and for paving the road for us to even do what we do today and will continue to do because of folks that came before us. most impersonal exit that exists in any career. It's basically not even a pat on the back sometimes. You know, you might get a plaque from your teammates or a function or some type of party or an event, and all that is a recognition from the people that you worked with your union might even present you with a plaque, and that's something that's appreciative as well. But your agency, many of them, and the larger the worse, they basically, you're just a number. Your ID number, your badge number, call signal, 
it's that's all you are. And you walk out, and you walk out those doors like Director Perez uh, said. And I don't care where you're from, what agency, some agencies might have a process a little bit more formal on the exit, but by and large, uh, 800,000 officers in this country, and if you factor in the correctional aspect of it, we're into the millions, and it's a very impersonal exit, very personal on the entry. It's a graduation, it's a ceremony, it's something that people can be somewhat proud of. And your family can take a part in that tradition as well. But the exit is individualized. And as you went in as a team, you exit as an individual, just basically how you entered as well. Lonely. You didn't know anybody. You didn't know anything. But this time, you're exiting, you're leaving. It is a lonely process, but you probably know everybody. And I can guarantee you, you know a lot. And that's one area I want to concentrate for a moment. What are we doing as a industry in law enforcement in this country when we're excusing this talent from walking out the door. We're not utilizing it. Some agencies, and I'm not going to really mention who they are, will offer you a position as a reserve officer. Now, let me think about this for a minute. I might have been making on a minimal 70, 80, 90, $100,000 a year because of my years of service. I'm a senior officer in my agency. And on the way out, I'm offered a position to do the same thing, but for free. I don't know about you, but I see a huge problem in that and a huge hole. Concepts that are 30, 40 years old, and we're still dragging them along. And you're letting all this talent just slip away, walk out the door, exit, leave. These are people that are, for most uh, given reasons, are subject matter experts in whatever field they were in. And you're not tapping into that resource. How can you utilize uh, retired office officers, bring them back in the category of um, part-timers. Give them same type of authority or responsibility at a part-time rate, and you can give them those uh, details that are less uh, dangerous, but nevertheless, they are dangerous, and they might be in the police setting, uh, traffic enforcement, writing traffic tickets, um, dealing with things that are not as threatening to allow the active officers do more. In a correctional setting, there's so many things they can do. Um, processing uh, inmates on the way out, bonding out, leaving, 
completing sentences um, and some other areas as well. We can come up with a whole list that they can utilize, the agency can utilize these talents, keep them on the payroll. They are trustworthy because they've been there 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years. They're still active. There's still a purpose. The jurisdiction gets a value out of it, and the agency is making a tremendous value. Everybody wins. Oh, wait a minute. Nope, there's not everybody's not a winner. There's definitely a sore loser in the mix. The hidden gem. The ones that say, well, we're here to protect your rights. And that's the union. The union does so much good. But they also can halter progress. And what I just described could be classified as augmenting the workforce, and it could be a contractual violation. We need to go beyond some of these things. We really do. Uh, there's, in my brain, I cannot figure out how you can't divvy up all the goods. That the greed has to be so much one-sided that you're working thin. You know, recently, the United States Army said that it was going to relax its entry-level mental uh, illness um, classifications to allow people that have had mental illness, including self-mutilation. Wait a minute, what was that? And they're going to give them a gun. So, I'm not saying that that's right. That, that needs to be looked at, but... What I'm saying is you got to start thinking out of the box because we live in dangerous times. And one important aspect of all this talent, all this experience that's going out the door, you can utilize them in positions that are more interacting with the community as well as you have eyes and ears and boots on the ground in that community. So many things you can do, but it's it's cloudy. It's a cloudy subject. It's, it's something that uh, two thirds of the people tell you. Well, I just you know, it's not going to work. Not 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 where we're at. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, that's the problem. They build a wall around concepts, and it should be looked at. Now, on the other side of the script, the value of the individual that's clocking out, that has all that. They have choices. They have fulfilled their dream. They have done their career. They have done it to the best of their abilities, and they're leaving. But uh, some of them, uh, that's what they want to do. They want to move on. They want something else to do. And I encourage that. But then there are these others that they're leaving because... The bell rang. It's time to go. Because that was the package deal that I signed up for X amount of years. And I'm slowly exited out. Or there's an age limitation in some jurisdictions in some states. And you've hit that bell. 
and now it's time to leave. So can we utilize that talent? The answer is yes. The real question is, do we want to utilize that talent? Is there a willingness to dig deep into the concept and bring it to fruition? And there's the job of government. And we're looking at error in our lifetimes of terrorism, where things are going to happen more and more. We need experienced people out there looking around and and doing much more. The value to these communities, these agencies and these um, government agencies, such as county, states, or uh, local communities, is huge. That I can have a person on a part-time basis, bring them into the workforce, organize that workforce, and utilize them in key areas that might not be uh, hard targets, but let's use some media terms, then, and then let's say a soft target. We can uh, put them in these areas and free up so many others. So Los Angeles uh, Police Department, LAPD, they do utilize a retirement system where they bring these officers after they retire in a capacity of transit or traffic. And uh, I believe there was another sheriff's agency in California that brought in their retired homicide detectives to handle cold cases. And these were individuals that, you know, the time had elapsed and it was time to leave, but there were subject matter experts in the cases that they were handling. So the agencies uh, retained them after the fact, to follow some leads on those cases, and they work those on a part-time basis. So much experience, and we're not tapping into it. So much experience. L- just by looking in the training aspect of it. You know, I'm not hating on any of my trainers out there. But realistically, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to start getting hate hate mail over this one. If you have a couple of years in the agency and you're in training, my question is, what can you give me? What experience do you bring to the table? That's what I thought. Not much of a response. Let's think about that. What can you bring to the table other than reading a curriculum, following a script that somebody told you, if not a lived experience. You don't know these things because you haven't lived them. So therefore, it's hard to teach something you haven't lived. It's a theory in a book or on a piece of paper that's called a curriculum. And to have the experience in order to do it and teach it is valued. So we can take these individuals that are leaving and and get them enrolled in that not your entire section of training, but still, these are people that have that experience. And you want to bring the two together. And there are other areas, and we can keep on looking at it. But what the individual that leaves, that retires, that walks out and goes out the door, 
the first thing that they feel is a is freedom it's over i don't have to work holidays i don't have to put on this uh, uniform any longer i don't have to fight with my duty belt to put it on to take it off and so forth and i don't have to listen to kid supervisors yeah that's right i said it kid supervisors way behind the ears they great in taking the test but i have absolutely no knowledge and here you are with about 25 more years experience than they do and they're going to tell you what to do but but that's the role of that officer, to listen to his superiors. Sometimes that relationship doesn't go well. But it has to be a give and take on both sides. One has to understand that is subservient to the other, and the other has to understand that it needs to dwell from the fountain of wisdom. And without that, what do we have? What kind of relationship is that? So when we exit out, you're saying I'm relieved of all that. I'm finished of all that. I can move on. For some of us, it is a pleasurable thing. You look, in, you look at your future, and if you have planned well, there's where we like to go next, the next chapter of our book then you're going to be comfortable. You're preparing while you're active your next step in your life so you can fall into it if you choose to. If you choose to sit around and do nothing, then you can choose to do that too because you've earned that right. But if you're looking for more value in your life, then you have to prepare yourself for that. And once you get in that, you're engulfed in that, and you're going to start navigating like a, a little fish in a big pond in your new career, in your new setting. So many of us are not prepared for that. So many of us don't have social skills to do these things because we have built different types of social skills in our years of service that we don't know how to cope now. It's a learned experience. There has to be a debriefing type of session to go on. And when you're in a position of authority, you tell people, stop, don't move, put your hands up, give me this, do that, and do the other thing. And all of a sudden, now you're not in that position. But because of who you were, you didn't wait on the line. You usually were cutting in front of lines, now all of a sudden you're on the line. And I can do so many other examples. So your social interaction action has to change. You have to become more of a civilian-minded individual to know that you're not you're a superhuman here and you don't have a position of a super uh, authority to do as you please. Now, I don't want the general public to misunderstand what I just said, that an officer has privileges that swells up their heads. But they do have privileges because with the position comes the authority, and then it's how you handle that authority. So anybody that's listening and thinks that 
an officer of the law has no authority, you're wrong, they do. But that authority that they have should be well supervised in a chain of events that keeps them in check. And that's the most important aspect. So you've exited out, your kids have maybe grown, your house is paid for or semi-paid for or some definition thereof, and now you have to move forward. For so many people, they cannot get over what they've done in their entire career. Maybe some of them, right after high school, went into military service, short stint there, and then jumped into law enforcement circles, all straight from high school into law enforcement, or a couple of jobs here and there, and then into law enforcement, and have dedicated a large majority of their life, if not most, half of it, dedicated to that one career. And now they have a, a loss. So the beginning of dealing with things is recognizing their value. And here we're discussing a loss. It, is it a loss when you walk away from something? Yes. How many that are in law enforcement regard the agency, the squad they work with as their family? And when you walk away from that, you're in essence walking away from what you gave a value of a family to, I may never see you again, maybe I'll speak to you over the phone, but um, I may never see you again, and I move on. And there's coping mechanisms that have to come with that. For the active folks, how do they treat retired people? Well, the, some of them uh, with respect, of course, because of who uh, those individuals were representing in their life. But for some others, as their freaking nuisance online, too. I guess he wants to know what's going on or she wants to know what's going on. But yes, it does happen that there's a segment of those retirees that feel the need to continue connecting with that agency, with those with the squad, they still have a, a sense of purpose or value with that. It is a part of them. They identify with that. And removing that from them sometimes is uh, almost a death sentence. And you have to look at other factors in the retired person's life, and one of them is, you know, how old are they? Are their kids grown? Oh, the parents still around. Maybe they're gone. And their f family circle as well as diminishing. So there's a lot of things that take root. Now, another thing I really want to look at in another chapter is law enforcement circles are friends. Well, when you're active, there's a transformation from civilian to recruit and then graduating and becoming an officer, you have civilian friends that once you go through this metamorphosis of an academy and become an officer, you start to lose those civilian friends or you start to shelf them. And 
usually it's something that happens subtly because you're engulfed in your career. But sometimes it is the people that you work with that have more experience than you. They've been around a lot longer. And they start to tell you their status and their values and how they treat the civilian world. And all of a sudden, this, this thing comes upon you. You don't even notice it. And before you notice, your entire contact on your cell phone are nothing but law enforcement officers. People visiting your house are law enforcement officers. You're going to law enforcement officer functions, law, enfor- law enforcement picnics, law enforcement weddings, and so forth. And you become more and more engulfed with that. The only person that you're going to trust now is a person in uniform, the person that has done what you have done, that has taken the risk. So if you need a confidant in life, you're going to use that confidant as the person that does or did what you did. So when you remove an individual from all that, now there's a transformation that should go back the other way. And it's a very difficult swimming navigational-wise. It's, it's, it's very difficult to swim that. And the reason for it? You're back in the civilian world looking, you know, your situational antennas are up. Everybody's a potential threat. I'll give you an example. I relocated out of Miami where I was, uh, where my agency was located. And um, after 30-something years, and I moved to the Tampa Bay area. And I have the most uh, greatest uh, neighbors that uh, one can ever ask for. And they were being very polite. And one day, they, my neighbor came to my house, rang the, rang the doorbell, and he brought a basket of strawberries. And he wanted to share them. I guess he had um, more than, than enough. And we, we live in kind of like a rural area, so everybody buys fresh produce. So he brought me these uh, strawberries and... There was kind of like a look on his face, like, am I going to get invited in? And I noticed afterwards, not during, I'm blockading the door, the entrance. You're not allowed in here. But not because he did anything wrong, because my subconscious mind took over and said, you can't, you're not coming in here. It's a civilian. What if he planned something? And he didn't come in. I later caught myself, and I said, what, what, what am I doing? What, what am I doing? And, and I felt bad. I recognized the transformation. I recognized the transformation, but so many others don't recognize it. You know, a little piece that we did on You're Done, and we posted it on the website, is from um, a major motion picture, and, and you basically see in the, in, in the video how the officer goes through this struggle. And in the movie, of course, he has other issues like alcohol addiction that he acquired in law enforcement and very lonely. He's coming toward the end of his career. He 
just doesn't have the patience and the will to continue. He doesn't want to leave, but he knows he has to leave. And he's caught in between both worlds. Um, so we played that. And there's where you hear that introduction of you're done. And it's so true for so many of us. So in order to remove the stigma of you're done, you need to you need to get on another horse, for lack of a better term, and start ponying down the road. Get something else as a value. Another segment, another chapter that's very important to talk about, and we're going to take about a good segment. We're going to probably pause, and then we'll, we'll pick up on these segments. But the same segment, we'll pick up on this. And that's when you become hopeless. And the transformation did not go well. And you really feel that there's nothing else in life. Suicide and the suicide rate for law enforcement officers, although the numbers are down, they range between 125 and 150 a year, which is still very high. And as a result, the smaller percentage are retired than the active. And I think that might be because of re, uh, reporting purposes. If you're like retired from service for so X amount of years <clears throat> and the person commits the ultimate act of suicide, they might not have really registered them as being retired and maybe classified them as um, something else, the civilian world. So there might be some, um, the data might not be really up to par, but nevertheless, active is more, is higher than retired personnel. The numbers are still too big, 125 to 150 a year. So we're trained in so many things, but we're not trained in listening. We're not trained in interacting, we're not trained in observing, and we're not trained in communicable skills. I think our training as law enforcement officers is always on a defense and never on an offense. And as a result, even our social skills are the same. We are defensive. We, we jump at the opportunity to get in a good discussion, but we really might not initiate it. So we have to initiate a relationship, even when we're active with the people that we work with and pay attention to certain things. And how can we help? You know, there's a, a stigma in law enforcement, another chapter now, on what is classified as snitching. And if I know, if I have good reason to believe that an individual that I work with, that I esteem, might be in a position that they might be considering hurting themselves. How can I stay silent? So many of our people walk around with the stigma of this happening in their career when they were active. And they can recollect on all those people that took their lives during their time of service. 
And they said, could I have done something different? Maybe if I would have, they would still be around. I recently, as far as a couple of years back, when I was active, a good person that worked with me um, took his life. And it was a shock to many, many individuals because of his fabulous attitude on life. If you had the pleasure of working with him a tour, you most of, of that tour you were going to spend laughing, enjoying, happy. I often called him the mayor, the mayor. He was that personable. But something made him put a gun to his head and pull the trigger. There was a lot of individuals that worked with him and his squad that really carried the burden of what occurred. And one of them later told me, I could have done something. My response to them, because they were carrying the guilt, is you weren't called to do anything. See, there's a time where you're called to do something. So you can't have that burden placed on you. Why? Why, why would I let it happen? You didn't let it happen. You didn't think it would happen, and that's why it occurred, but you can't have that weight fall upon your shoulders as, I could have done something to prevent it. You can reflect back and say, when he said this, when he did that, what if this, what if that? But the bottom line is you were not called to do that. So what happened to occurred, occurred. So what's left now with us is those fine memories of who that individual was. And keeping that memory in your mind until eventually they fade out. Not of necessarily your mind, but of the agency. You know, we're not going to be celebrating somebody that passed away that's 40, 50 years. Human nature is to move on. And that will occur. But in our lifetime, we will celebrate that individual. So many tragic deaths for such brutal things in life that they felt overwhelmed with, overcome that there was no way out. Another friend of mine had a great definition for suicide. It is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And whatever was grieving them was temporary in nature and they could move on. But to them, it was no moving on. And as a result, what occurred, occurred. So it's important. We've looked at a lot of facets here. And in our next couple of shows, we're going to start throwing them and piecing them together. And we're going to start talking about a lot of these chapters that we've brought up. Sadly enough, I contacted a organization. I will not mention their name. They're in kind of status that's lim limbo. And 
they were a retired officers association and they had a segment on there for preventing suicide, a section of their organization. So I went out, I reached out to the group, I got no response. I tried to call, straight to voice messages, left a couple of voice messages. Finally, the segments were getting closer and closer, so I found a contact source uh, through uh, Facebook that they had a Facebook page through the messenger. I go, well, somebody's got to respond. Somebody's going to pick this up, hopefully. The new trend now is to cut off your messenger. And several days after I sent them a message, I got a response. Good luck. The organization's almost defaulted. And uh, I don't think you'll get a response from anyone. So people moved on. There was a call to action when that organization started, retired, and why they had a segment for suicide on there. It was a call of action. There was something going on, but they moved on. So should your agency that you work for now, should they have something in place? Nah, he's gone already. We don't, uh, don't belong to us any longer. Do we dispose of people like trash? You know, in my career, I actually witnessed uh, individuals that were retired many, many years of service, 30, 35, 40 years of service, and they just couldn't stop hanging around the workplace. And they would go to that station, that work area that they were assigned to. And then they were quietly and very politely asked to stop coming because they were kind of disrupting the workplace. We get paid here to do our job, not to have social functions. Remember we spoke about people skills and how they disappear real quick? Well, they did. My former union, one issue that the recently there's a debate for new elections and certain people are running for certain positions, and I'm out of that. I have nothing to do with any of that. I'm retired. But there was at one time in the union hall a section where it was for gatherings where people, a, sort of a watering hole, if you allow for a term, and people would go there and talk war stories and active or retired, gone, closed, shops no longer there. So where do these retired folks go? You know, I belong to a retired council of the union, and they do do social functions, and I, I reach out to many people, and they, I really appreciate what those retired folks are doing to keep that alive. Very important. But really, if you're not very active in it, you just get um, an, a, a little ID card. That, that's all you get. And you pay your minimal dues, yearly dues, and you get your ID card. But it's so important to reflect on why they exist. What was their call to action? Why did they formulate? Because sometimes people need a place to gather. So this concludes our first segment of You're Done. We will have another segment, um, maybe two more. 
And on our next segment, we're going to start looking at some of these chapters that I discussed here. And I'm going to start giving you some factual evidence. And hopefully we can get a, a guest or somebody lined up. And we want to put it together. You're done, but are you done? So the segment goes from you're done, but are you done? And we hope that you continue listening. The conversation is always on on the table, always. And today's conversation is you're never done with God. The Lord always carries you through any difficult times. He carries you through the desert. And he does such more marvelous works. If you wore the uniform for so many years, you know, the, the Bible in the book of Romans chapter 13 talks about governance, how God established it. So in essence, if you wore the uniform or you're wearing the uniform, God established what you're doing. And he established you at this time to do it. So your service is of higher than just your agency. It's a calling that God has placed you in. And he is faithful to carry you through it. Many of you might say, why do police officers or correction officers die in the line of duty? I don't have the answer. But I can tell you that God is faithful in everything he does. And all your burdens and all your worries and all your troubles and everything you're thinking, he is wise enough, faithful enough to carry out your future. Trust in him. I hope that this small segment has been somewhat of value, that the words that I spoke not just went into thin air and people saying, is Alpha Mike suicidal? Because the answer is no. Alpha Mike sees a tremendous hole in, in, in any career that we once did that's not being skillfully used and we're not giving back to those that gave to us. Till next podcast. I'll see you on podcast 11. Before we close out, you want to hook up with us? How do you do it? How do I get up to join the ranks of L Police Radio? First thing you want to do is go to Google. You want to type in L as in Lima, police. It's one word, L Police Radio. And what pops up there is a, that social network thing, Facebook, this, that, and the other thing. Once you get on there, you navigate. Or you go to our website, lpoliceradio.com, lpoliceradio.com. Navigate through there. Hook up with us. Join the ranks. Listen to our podcast. Send us messages of what you want to hear, what you want me to discuss, what you want me to look in for it, in, into for you, and I will. It's been my honor, my pleasure to be your host. I'm out.